We appreciate you joining us today on the Teen Challenge of Southern California podcast. If you didn't know, we have a 24-7 prayer and referral hotline, and it's actually staffed by our own Teen Challenge staff members who are ready to pray with you anytime, anywhere. Call today at 888-520-0620. And if you know someone, maybe a friend or a family member who is struggling with addiction and wants help, please tell them about our program. And you can refer them to this same number, 888-520-0620, and we can help them begin their new life. For the next few weeks, we will be sharing the messages from our annual pastors conference, and our theme this year was a fresh anointing. Listen in right now as our dear friend, Pastor Gary Wilkerson from World Challenge, shares a prophetic word about how we can continually have and live in a fresh anointing. We hope and pray that you are refreshed by the presence of the Lord in these times that we share together. And if you haven't had the chance, please subscribe to our podcast channel today. You'll be notified every time a new episode comes out, and it's a way for us to stay in touch during these difficult times. God bless you today, my friends. My favorite people in the world are Teen Challenge people. 1958, my father started Teen Challenge, and what a great joy it was to grow up in an environment of faith where we saw the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit transform lives. And here we are 50, 60 years later, and the Holy Spirit is still changing lives. Many of you listening to my voice right now have been in that life-changing transformation of the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you are pastors and leaders helping others see this life change take place too. I'm so thankful that God is still on the throne, so thankful that God is still touching lives through Teen Challenge, and Southern California Teen Challenge is certainly the tip of the spear in in, uh, moving in the power of the Holy Spirit to see what God wants to do in culture and raising up His name for His glory Uh, through the work of transforming lives of those who are struggling with life-controlling problems. Uh, I have a message I truly believe is from the Lord for you. This is a message, as we've been speaking about uh, uh, in this conference, about the anointing, the fresh anointing. Uh, I want to take a different tact on the anointing. It is certainly biblical. It is certainly clear. But it's not maybe what we think about when we often think about the anointing. Let me pray first and ask God for the anointing as I preach this word to you today. Father, we ask for you to speak to me, speak through me, and speak to those who would be listening today. Let your word come alive today and give us a fresh anointing. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn me in your scripture if you have your Bible with you to 1 John chapter 2. And we're going to read a fairly long portion of Scripture, but I think it's important we do this as we speak about a fresh anointing. John 1, chapter 2, verse 18. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, so now many many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not all of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have all knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? That is the Antichrist. He is the one who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. 
whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you have heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you have heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has made to us eternal life. Verse 26, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But you have the anointing. There's the second time this word is used in this passage. But you have the anointing that you have received from him who abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing, third time his anointing, teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. We want the anointing of God. Oftentimes we think, uh, when we think of the anointing, we think of power in preaching, we think of power in prayer. Uh, that was an anointed prayer. That was an anointed sermon. Uh, praying for the sick and somebody gets healed. Oh, that per- person must truly be anointing. I want to talk to you about the anointing of truth today, to, to, to have a fresh anointing of truth. Now, before I get into that, let me just talk about a fresh anointing. I want, I want a fresh anointing every day, but in a, some sense, I, I don't want a fresh anointing because I want a sustained anointing uh, To speak of a fresh anointing means I need something fresh today because what I had has worn out. I I want something that sustains with me. I want to be fresh all the time. I don't want to have ebb and flow. I don't want to be fresh one week and then sort of lose that freshness to the next week and have to have a preacher come and stir me up, have to read a new book to get me on fire or or to go through a valley and and then have to come kind of crawling back to God and say, God, I've lost the anointing. I want a fresh anointing. I don't ever want to lose an anointing in a place where I would have to get a fresh anointing. The good news is if I ever do find, or if you ever do find that, that, that ebb, uh, the flow is gone and there seems to be an ebb in our life, God is so gracious to bring us back to a fresh anointing. And there are many different types of anointing. There's anointing oil. There's an anointing of a king. There's an anointing of a prophet. <clears throat> there was even an anointing of, of uh, in the Old Testament, in the temple of, of plates and, and silverware. There's all kinds. But the kind of anointing we're talking about today is to be empowered with some things from God that work through us for the benefit of of others around us. And I want to speak to you about not the anointing of preaching, not the anointing of healing, not the anointing of um, being seen by others as someone who really has the touch of God on their life. All those things are important, but I want to speak to you about the anointing of truth. Let's go back to verse 18 here. It says, Children, it is the last hour, and so you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, so now there are many Antichrists who have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. This word, this phrase, the last hour there, in its original language can also mean uh, a last time or the last time. Uh, John is trying to emphasize something important here. Uh, We've had many times for God to work in our life. We've had many times to deal with error in the church. We've had many times to deal with difficult things. We've had many times to receive an anointing from God, but this is the last time. We are in the last times. We are, things are wrapping up. Things are coming to a conclusion. And, and, and basically what he's saying here is time is running out. Time is short. And we need to make the most of our time, to, to make the most of our opportunity, to make sure we're not functioning in the flesh or in our own self-power or our own abilities, but that we are functioning with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, a fresh touch from God on our life every single day that is sustained 
in our life that is not having to be chased all the time, but actually abides as we see in this passage of Scripture. The anointing abides in us. It stays with us. It grows in us. It moves in and through us. And in this hour, we need that kind of power we are living in terrible times. We are living in difficult times. We are living in, in what, uh, what Timothy, Second uh, Timothy chapter three. I'm going to turn there real briefly. Second Timothy, chapter three begins to describe what's taking place in these last days, and the language that he uses could be pulled right out of uh, the newspapers uh, of today. In Second Timothy chapter three. Verse 1, but understand this, that in the last days there will be difficult times, there will come difficult times, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving God, or excuse me, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, and having an appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people, avoid them. So going back to John now, he's saying, this, this is the last time. You know, we, we've been around the corner a bunch of times, but this is the last time we're going around this corner. We've got to do this thing right because there are many antichrists. There's an antichrist coming. Uh, Thessalonians speaks clearly about this, that the man of lawlessness will be revealed before the coming of the Lord. But John is adding an element here that uh, is not discussed by Paul in Thessalonians. This book was written quite a bit later, probably in the late 60s or 70s probably after the destruction of the temple at Jerusalem. And so John has seen a lot and maybe seen some things that, that now in, in these last days he, he's writing about. And he knows the difficulty in the hearts of men. He knows that there's not just one Antichrist. As he says here, uh, you've heard the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come, Antichrist. There are different types of of, uh, of uh, uh, people that are uh, coming against the things of God. There's, there is, there's, there, there's, there's different ways that this word antichrist is used. In, John, in Matthew 24, verse 5, and Matthew 24, verse 24, it speaks of false Christ. And the Greek language there could be said, uh, instead of Christ. Um, in other words, they're promoting themselves instead of Christ. You've heard Christ is good. You've heard follow Christ. No, I'm saying follow me. Follow my teaching. You see, this, this, this makes the false Christ maybe something a little bit different than what we thought about when we think of the Antichrist or false Christ. We tend to think of false Christ as somebody who, you know, is a head of a, a worldwide cult and they're calling themselves God or Jesus. But, but what Matthew's talking about here through, as Jesus preached the sermon, he was saying there's going to be a lot of people that say, follow me instead of Christ. Um, this can even happen in our pulpits today. Follow my teaching. Follow my code of ethics. Follow my uh, follow my Twitter account. Follow my uh, lead and everything that I say to do. Come after me more. My personality, my charisma, uh, my following. And see, that's an instead of Christ. And that's one of the things John is warning in the last hour. There would be a lot of false prophets. There would be a lot of people that <clears throat> that uh, see this. Um, they're anti. The things uh, of Christ. Another, there's uh, one commentary says there are four ways to look at this word anti when it comes to Christ. One is over against. They're 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 coming out against. They're over uh, overtly against Christ. Another one is they're contrary 
to Christ. The word anti there can be contrary. I, I know Christ calls me this way, and we're seeing that in culture today, this venomous uh, it's, it's like Psalms chapter 2, uh, the heathen raging against the things uh, of God is contrary to. Another one is uh, exchanging for benefit. Now, this one was the most strange out of the four that I was reading in this commentary. Uh, so to, to exchange Christ for benefit, in other words, um, like um, I want to follow Christ, but there are benefits out there in the world. Uh, there, there's money, there's fame, there's sex, there's power, there's, there's comfort, and I, I'll, I'll exchange Christ for those things. That's part of the Antichrist spirit. John is saying there are many Antichrists. They've come out from us. We're seeing them go into these things. And the last one is, <clears throat> the word here can mean substitution, uh, substituting something else for Christ, putting an idol in front of God, money, fame, power, something that uh, draws your attention, that, that attracts you more than attracts Jesus. This is all part of the Antichrist spirit. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4 says that the, the man of lawlessness will exalt himself, proclaiming himself to be God. And it says he opposes uh, Christ and exalts himself. So we see here in this Antichrist spirit uh, an opposition to Christ and an exaltation of self. And, and in culture today, we're seeing this antichrist spirit, the exaltation of self, of, of glory, of fame, of notoriety, of success, and a opposing of the obedience to the things of God. Now, John goes on there in verse 19, they went out from us. And he's speaking about those who had maybe come into their house groups, had come into their congregations, had sat under their teaching, had listened to the word of God, had prayed with them, had sung their songs. But when push came to shove, uh, one of these four ways, over against, contrary to, exchanging for benefits or substitution, they began to oppose the, the, uh, the, the, the call of obedience and devotion and intimacy with God and began to exalt themselves, say, my way. And so they went out from us, but they were not of us. If they'd been with us, they would have continued with us. But they went out from us so that it might be complained that they are not from us at all. And so they didn't really truly have, the Antichrist spirit doesn't truly have the heart of God. It doesn't truly have intimacy with God. It doesn't have the, that exchange, transformational life that comes from the blood of Jesus Christ cleansing us on the cross, they have a form of godliness. Remember, we just read that in Second Timothy, a form of godliness, but they're denying, they don't, they deny the reality of the power by the way they're living their life. This is part of the Antichrist spirit. This is part of what we're experiencing today. You know, in culture today, we're seeing so many horrible things take place, and, it's, and it surprises me that it surprises us. It shocks me that it shocks us because the Bible predicted all these things would take place. I don't have time to get into it, but if you were to go to Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3, you would see there a clear description of the heart of man, the depravity of man, the lawlessness of man given over to sin, given over to sexual perversion, given over to godlessness, given over to rebellion because their hearts had become callous and they knew and understood the truth of God, but they denied that power. John in chapter two here is, is, is saying, this is a reality that we are going to have to face in the last times. We are going to be living in difficult times. We're, not, we're no longer the moral majority. We are now dissidents. We, we, are, we are now a, a small remnant. We are now uh, almost a scourge, the outcast. But you know what? It's in that, 
In, it's, because God loves to use small things to do great things. He loves to use simple things to do profound things. He loves to do, use weak things to do great and powerful things. And so in this season, in these last days, when the Antichrist spirit is, is pervasive and prevailing in culture, it is a great time for the church of Jesus Christ to stand up and to say, I'm walking in purity. I'm walking in godly power. I'm walking in godly authority. I'm walking by the spirit of Christ. And I have no part or parcel in this antichrist last days spirit where it has to do with uh, being contrary to the word of God, not living according to the law of God, not living according to the love of God, not living according to the power of God. No, I'm going to resist that, reject that. And I'm coming into the fullness of all that Christ. There's a truth about an anointing that I can have. That in these last days, I can have an anointing of truth when there's many things that could cause me to be deceived and go out from among us. You see, some of us that have come into the church or maybe came in through Teen Challenge, we came to an experience that uh, was good for us, that was healthy, but then some go out. And John is about to explore and explain something to us here that is giving a sustaining power to see us through. For those of you that are church and Christian leaders, maybe you feel like giving up. This is the sustaining power of the anointing of God. So let's continue to read verse 20. But you have been. Now you see the contrast here? He's been talking about the difficult things, about the Antichrist spirit, about that which opposes the things of God. And now he changes gears here. And he says, but you have been anointed by the Holy One and you have all knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lies of the truth. You see here, you have been given an anointing by God. Verse 27 says, But the anointing that you have received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should, should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is, and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. You see, as you abide in him, the anointing abides in you. You don't have to chase after anointing. Oh, I want to be a better preacher. I want to get the anointing of the fire in my, as I preach. No, you just abide in Christ. And he'll do what he wants through you. The, the measure of anointing that is apparent to others around you is all up to him. It can't be done in the human flesh. It can't be done by screaming and shouting and kicking and screaming. It has to be done. God, you anoint me with the anointing of truth that you have for me. You see, here are several times we're seeing here, uh, you have all knowledge. You have truth. Why? Because you have been anointed. Um, then again, it says, He has anointed you and teaches you about everything. You see, the anointing is truth. And the truth in the last days is something that is essential for us to sustain the abiding uh, walk with Jesus Christ so that we don't become those who come out from among us because they were never with us. When you are fully with Him, and you are abiding in him and him in you. There's a union with Christ that cannot be broken. And there's a truth revealed in your heart that will keep you from the deception of the last days. The Bible says that in the last days there are going to be many false prophets. And we're seeing that take place here in America more than any place around the world. Here in the last couple of years more than ever before. The false teachings, the false prophecies, uh, the people in, if you have heard about this, you know, in the beginning of 2020, 
there was a conference with 20 or 30 uh, so-called prophets, and they got together, and they were beginning to give their prophecies about what was going to take place in 2020. And this has been recorded online, and you see them talking about the year of prosperity, the year of greatest blessing ever, the year of breakthrough, the year of divine favor. And you know what? It actually became, maybe to some, it was some of those things, but for many it was the year of losing loved ones. For many it was the year of suffering and pain and sorrow and loss. And if we're not preparing our people for difficulty, if we're all just what my father called pillow prophets, like lay your head down at night and rest because you're going to wake up in the morning and everything's going to be perfect and fine and uh, rosy and all kinds of comfort for you. But you know what? There's difficult times that will come on the face of the earth, perilous times on the face of the earth. But you know what? In this last hour, you have the truth. It abides in you. And when that truth abides in you, you have the anointing. So when you hear false teachings, you're going to know what they are and you're going to be set free from them, and you won't be deceived. You see, it's false teaching and it's deception that causes people to go out from among us. But it's abiding in Christ, having union with Him, and letting that truth live in you that keeps you, that provides the power when the enemy comes in and tries to tell you all of these lies. And in my next session with you, I want to talk about these lies uh, so that I pray that the Holy Spirit could protect you from these things. And I'll, I'll uh, and I look forward to talking about the anointing that gives you the truth to overcome false prophecies and lies in these last days. Once again, thank you for choosing our podcast today. We hope that you're comforted, encouraged, and strengthened in the Lord today because of it. Don't forget to subscribe, though. It's easy. Just go to wherever you're listening right now and click subscribe. God bless you today.